0: I die the chosen it makes sense they're the only ones who want to destroy the antidote but there was no one from the chosen here how do we know that they could have spies anywhere there could be one in this room right now
1: What? You, you're serious one of us okay so welcome to series two episode 20 of conversations on the eagle mountain a podcast about the tribe I'm your host Lance and joining the podcast panel today is Liz hello Sabine hi maggie
0: hi
1: and a warm welcome to our guest podcaster for the day tamsin oh my god i did it wrong (laughs) it's (laughs) because you said it
2: (laughs) i think you should just keep this in i think it's true hello everyone
1: (laughs) sorry tamsin (laughs) with episode notes done by matt and myself so series 2 episode 20 the screenplay was done by mike kenny it was directed by Costa Boats and the episode synopsis were read out by Tamsin.
2: Sani's secrets might be her undoing as a guilty ebony attempts to deflect suspicion for the attempts on Tyson's life. Let's continues along his path of self-destruction, but can Selene help him open up about his demons?
1: Before we jump into the episode... Let's take a quick moment to get to know our new guest podcaster. So, Tam's in it. I'm going to fire some quick questions at you just so we can get to know you. Brilliant. So, uh, first question, what, who's your favourite character?
2: Okay, my favourite character is Tysan, but I also really like Alice, Lex, and Ram. Well, and Ruby. It's Ruby. <laughs> I love I I'm not gonna excuse it. I think she's a great complicated character because I'm with you. She, I'm with you. Yeah. Because she's not uh she's not straight down the middle, she's not um mm. honest and she's not uh, sort of she is conflicted all the time and she sort of read a mantra once and she thinks that's how you do things, but her actual personality is at odds with that because she is a control freak. Mm -hmm. who wants to give people freedom but in the same time as we see with the the way she handles that antidote she doesn't want to give people freedom she wants to control and she's at war with herself all the time and you see that with her relationship with Lex because he is not a logical choice for her yet together they're really good and also uh he he shines a light on actually who she probably really is that makes sense. I still don't like her though. Oh, yeah. You
0: can. That's fine. <laughs> I'll <laughs> forgive you. I
2: don't think so because there are so many different characters to like and to dislike, and I, and I think like in one one scene you can oh, you yeah. can like and dislike a character in like you know, and I think that's why the writing is so good in this because there are so many characters to like and dislike. Yeah, I I understand. I agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which characters do you hate then?
2: Oh, well, it's got to be Jay! Yay! I would also say yes. I'm not a fan of Danny. I think yeah. it's the execution of Danny—that's the problem for me. The way yeah. that she's put together is wrong. She feels like she should be a villain. Okay. If she was if she was somebody who was moving towards a villainy like Anakin Skywalker, where they start off with good intentions, but actually they're not a very nice person in themselves and they sort of become uh, uh, like a villain over time. You see it creeping in more and more. That would have made sense for her. But as she is, she's presented as just. Just a mess of a person who we're expected to say, "Oh no, she's brilliant, isn't she amazing?" And it's that show—they're showing us something, but whenever it's—it's sort of not real, if that makes sense. She never demonstrates the yeah. qualities that we're told she has. I
3: agree, hundred percent.
2: She's kind yes. of like a bit like Bella Swan. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's got all these qualities that we never see her have, but the qualities she does have. I would like to see them magnified personally. I would like to see her become an ultimate like villain because she's got that in her to do it. So sure, you now have me down that path and I'm say angry. it
4: <laughs> my brain. I know what you're gonna no, say. Say it. No, say it. I'm
2: thinking. Uh, <laughs> Jay and Danny. Jay, uh, oh my goodness. I sunshine. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think like Danny is more interesting than Jay. She deserves mm-hmm. a sort of. I mean, I've been watching a lot of Euphoria recently, oh. and I don't know if any of you watch that, but there's a character on there called Cassie who reminds me a lot of Danny in the way that she's kind of u- completely irrational. And, you know, she just goes from naught to ten. And you just think, no, it, Jay is too bland for Danny because she needs somebody <coughs> who is more... I mean, I suppose someone who'd be good for Danny would be someone like Ved <laughs> or even Ram. I mean, Ram and Danny would have been interesting, yeah. you know. I could have seen that. But no, I definitely think, yeah, um, I think Danny, no, Jay, Jay is like... Right, right down there. He he could not even be with Danny. He's not good enough.
3: (laughs) That's what I said. Like, I don't like Danny, but she deserves better than Jay.
2: I kind of feel like Danny and Lex, and I'll just put a bit of reasoning behind this, is that I kind of really liked when she... They had that interaction because they had a lot of chemistry, but also like the Lex Tyson relationship we see later on in the series. He, they are like toxic for one another. Danny and Lex, and I think her them getting into some sort of illicit relationship kind of tells you more about Danny than anything she could ever tell you herself because it kind of shows yeah so she is this one thing but actually she's secretly dating Lex which would open up like what is her psychology (laughs) (sighs) but no I would have liked to have seen a Bray Danny relationship where she's got Lex on the (laughs) side that would have just been whoa (laughs) you know And especially like if you had like Lex catching feels for her and being like, "Let's go public," and she's like, "If you go, we go public, I'll kill you." (laughs)
5: Mm
2: -hmm. But we know Lex; he he would still shag her, even though she certainly wants. You know, actually, I, I, even though I can't really see that couple, I could see
3: them as that couple who's literally ashamed that they're into each other, and it's like they keep sneaking off together. Like, we can't keep doing this. I hate you, you know, and not wanting anyone to know about it, but just not be able to stay away from each other I could buy that
2: yeah 100% hate sex she hates herself she can't stay away from him you know he you know he'll sleep with anyone so it doesn't really matter you know he he, he probably does hate her but he still wants to have sex with her you know that's Lex oh well, it's Lex he has a pulse <laughs> I also think at this point in his life Lex hates probably most women I think he hates everybody
0: I mean, he yeah. especially
2: hates himself, but he. I think he hates yeah, I, I definitely
0: think he has a thing against
2: mm-hmm.
0: women and strong women, especially. There's like authority. So, you know, add a woman to the mix that's got power and put him in his place. And he's a, severely attracted to them, but also hates himself for it. Yeah. He hates them for it.
2: Mm-hmm. You see that with, with his interactions with Ebony, because he's so attracted to her. He... Wants to prove himself all the time to her But yet he hates her as well Yeah, brilliant
1: (laughs) And um, what's your favourite series?
2: Okay, I think I have to say I love series one because it establishes everything But the series two finale is just awesome
1: And your favourite song?
2: It's got to be Abba Messiah Because it's a banger Mm. Well, sometimes I wasn't as nice to him
0: as I could have been, like when i would lie in the middle of the floor in a trip over him. But he was there for us right from the beginning. And somehow I always felt safer when he was around. He was a lovely dog and a good friend.
2: And I'll miss him. We all will.
1: So after the poisoning from the previous episode, we opened directly with Bob's funeral. Where Celine attempts to say a few words for their dear companion. So yeah, Panel, how did you feel about the loss of Bob?
0: It was sad. It was so sad to lose Bob. Like I mean, of all the characters, you know, like they had to go for the dog. I just I don't know. And I remember it being so much bigger. Like I, I said it before, you know, I remember it being this big, huge event and feeling like it was the most impressive funeral out of the entire show. And it's just Celine saying a few things. <laughs> Well, they let me re- let's be honest, it is one of the best send-offs. It is, it is. It's mm-hmm. still really nice. I still really enjoyed it, you know, for it being what it was. I think um,
3: it's very really well handled considering tonally, you know, it's given the gravity of this being a beloved pet, you know, and that's good. But I do like the fact that they don't act like Bob's death is more important than, like, a person. They don't really lose sight of what has happened, that a person could have almost died it's given the proper respect for the girls and you know we get our little images of bob running and like, oh, he's such a good dog i'm gonna miss him i just thought they handled it really well the tone it's just enough but you know there are more important things on the table and it doesn't feel like bob is dismissed because of those
4: important things
3: but it also doesn't feel like bob overshadows those important things yeah that's true yeah, mm.
4: And it's so adorable to see the girls with Bob on the beach w- during that flashback, mm-hmm. which I can't even <laughs> remember when that was. It's a
3: promo
0: shot. You probably didn't get to see it. Yeah, it was probably one of those promos, you know. It's from that shot that they
3: take—they had of the kids just walking the beach to open the show.
4: Mm-hmm. That never yeah. happened in
3: the show, but that those are the shots. That's where they got it
0: from.
4: Yeah. It just looks like happier times, you it know. It
0: does. It does, and that and that definitely, you know, it 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 makes improves the point that, you know or not proves the point, but mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> takes the point home that this was Chloe and Patsy's dog, you know. So to show them when that's it, poor Bob. I can't. I just can't. It makes me so sad.
4: And every time I see this, I keep thinking about. Okay, Bob used to be there with Paul and Patsy. Now
2: she's mm-hmm. lost her brother and her dog mm-hmm. too. That. Poor little one. Oh yeah, poor Patsy. I think she's really good in the scene as well because um, you get the sense that she can't actually bring herself to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think Celine really excels at giving Bob's eulogy. Yeah, yeah. And you sort of see a flash from my m- from my perspective of. I mean, I know I'm looking at this because I know what's going to happen to Celine, but you kind of get a flash of this is what Celine. Could be if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If she didn't have all the other stuff weighing her down, she's got this ability to sort of capture a moment, talk about it really clearly, define people's feelings, and. I thought it was really interesting because that's sort of what we see her do in series four.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I, I noticed that yeah. too in a later episode in series two um,
0: where she kind of steps up, you know, and you just see that glimpse of the type of woman yeah. that she could be yeah, if she were to just, you know, I don't want to say... Get put, a chance? Yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> if she were, you know, to give herself a chance
2: uh, to be that person. I think as well if she had some counselling because I think that's mm-hmm. what Sally needs. I think she needs professional help.
0: No, for sure. Um,
2: mm-hmm. And if she got that, that's what she could be, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is the really lovely eulogy that she gives. And like you mm-hmm. say, um, uh, it does feel like a pet's funeral. It doesn't feel like a human's funeral. But I think the good thing there is a lot of young people who probably, like when I watched it, I had never been to a human funeral. I've been to a lot of pet funerals. I'm not a pet serial killer I just want to put that in there <laughs> yes yes <laughs> but um you know and for a lot of young people you know especially towards the sort of age that Patsy and Chloe's characters are this could be the fr- you know this is sort of death as they may understand it where their dog actually dies and they have done a little funeral so it's much more easier you know, to understand that then say, what happens to, like, Amber and Zandra at the start of the, the series, if that makes sense. Because that's so huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a
3: nice tribute to who Bob was, what he meant to our tribe. In fact, he was there from day one. Yeah. You know, he wasn't yeah. just a dog. He was a friend. He was a companion. And, I mean, Bob had lines. Bob got close-ups. Yes. You know, he got mm-hmm. to look at the camera and be like, do
2: you believe this? You know, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Well, he was like the queen of the one-liner, wasn't he? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. <laughs> I feel like in his send-off, we didn't get a tribute to sassy Bob. We no. got, you know, freaking <laughs> loving Bob, you know, family-orientated Bob, but we didn't get sass Bob. I get judgment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Judging Bob. Yes. <laughs> I always love when Bob judged Lex. I think he always judged Lex the hardest. Yes. I love their... Mm-hmm. Was like, I know who you are i know how pathetic you are yeah. please stop standing on my tail <laughs> basically
4: yeah oh no Bob was good <sighs> uh, yeah. he was such a good doggo mm-hmm.
0: such a good doggo
4: he even warned them when zoot came into the mall yeah i mean he did. you know he did his
0: best to warn uh, them multiple times you know and he yeah. saving you know or helping them at uh, hope island and um yeah. like i I feel like he was such a bigger part of the show. Like he was, I feel like he was around for forever, and it was only a season and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually
2: really surprised yes. when I looked back and I I realized how early it was when he died. I was uh-huh. like, no, Bob was in it for at least the whole of series two. Right, right.
3: The death of Bob is also metaphorically the death of another form of normalcy. Yeah. Um, the cat, the kids will get another pet, and we still have Porky. We still have the chickens. But no other pet will ever be treated the way Bob was. You know, no. Bob was always there. When they had group discussions, Bob was there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, putting in his two cents, yes. listening to what's going on. Um, and he's a, you know, way we treat pets when life is normal compared to mm-hmm. how we treat animals when we're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Bob they treated him like things were still normal. Mm-hmm. That's how Bob was incorporated into the story. When it came to how are we going to divide our food, the question of whether or not they fed Bob came into it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he was a family yes. companion. We won't see them having those kind of discussions about Cloudy or Porky later on. They're just background. You know, they're just kind of there, you know. They don't mm-hmm. matter that much. And uh, so, in a way, it's like losing the last thing the girls have that's so normal haven't being ripped from them, you know. Yeah. Because we'll never see Cloudy doesn't get treated like this. You know, mm-hmm. Cloudy's fine, but Cloudy's never a part of the group. Mm-hmm.
2: Cloudy unceremoniously disappears in
3: season three. We have no idea what happened to her. She's just
2: mm-hmm.
3: not there anymore.
2: Well I have no idea what happened to the other animals, but I do clearly know what happened to Bob. Like you say, except for Lex Yeah. Yeah,
3: I just thought that was interesting that that's just one more thing losing. They've had to lose from the time before, and that's the
0: last piece that Patsy really has. You know that ties her to her Mm. former life. As you know, Sabine said she lost Paul. Now she's lost her dog. What more does she have from her family from before the virus? You know, that's
2: it. it does make you, it does make you wonder if Bob had still been around, would, what happens to Patsy later? Yes, Born, I, have yeah, I was
0: just like, gonna, you know, because mm-hmm. like, I, I, this really, she's lost everything, you know? Um, yeah. She's hadn't, you know, if Paula was still around, if, if Bob was still around, would she go down the path that she chooses to go? You know, later on in, in season two and season three. Because
2: like, Chloe is, is grounded mm-hmm. I would she say. always has been she's a very great yes. yeah she's a grounded character she knows herself yes. and she knows right from mm-hmm. wrong but Patsy like you say needs anchors to anchor yes. her in the world if that makes sense and yeah like you say the loss of Bob the loss of Paul you know she kind of loses Celine because Celine sort of yeah. takes her focus off the girls mm-hmm. to some extent and Yeah she's looking for someone to anchor her and it's kind of like it's it's sort of really brilliant because she's a complete when you think about cult people get involved with cults Patsy's got the the right mentality for that. Yeah absolutely yeah she needs that leadership yeah
4: yeah she's nothing left to Mm. lose no and she needs the guidance yeah she
0: needs that strict guidance she needs that someone needs to tell me i cannot do this on my own please tell
2: me what to do yeah and the support as well that she had from her family has gone and i think sometimes people um sort of misinterpret like you say strong guidance for familial support Mm -hmm. which is completely different
3: i was wondering now this is just a hot take thrown out there when i was looking at like some of the themes from the different seasons Now, season one is about recovery. It's about trying Mm. to rebuild after you've lost everything. Mm. And see, these kids think they've suffered the worst loss they will ever suffer. Half the world died. And season one is all about trying to gain something back. They gain a family in each other. You know, they gain a focus. They gain a direction when they thought they had Mm -hmm. nothing left. And season two almost feels like it's all about losing again. These characters being Mm. stripped of their foundation of the things that made them who they are, the things that they still held on to just little by little. They're trying to gain something, but I feel like they're losing way more than they're ever really gaining. Mm. They think they're making forward progress, but when you look at them as individuals and you see what's being taken from these characters, the connections they're making with people, they lose them, you know, and I'm just like, it's just adds to that sense of loss. When you thought you couldn't lose any more, here comes life. Yeah. To is there. Oh no, there's yeah. a lot more you can still lose. You didn't realize, yep. you know. Because by the end of season two, our characters in many ways are just stripped completely bare, and they have no armor against what's coming. They've, you know, they've just lost everything. Mm-hmm. You know, everything they managed to gain. And then just watching them in this season, just like boom, boom, boom. There's a loss. There's a loss. Even if the loss is just like a sense of yeah. self. Yeah. You know. And that,
2: feels, that feels very true to the situation of which they've been written in because in a in a world like in the world that they live stability is is not it's an illusion and they're showing mm-hmm. too, that the stability that they think they have it's an illusion they can very easily you know? be taken away from them we see
0: that we yeah, see that as exactly. the show goes forward how quickly you know they stabilize things it seems like it's going to be great and then all of a sudden boom you know yeah
2: Something comes yeah. out, yeah. And like you say, like life, exactly. It just completely, yeah. but no, Bob is the linchpin. Oh, Bob. Mm-hmm. Without him, it all just goes to hell. It does. It's like, <laughs> you know, it was starting
0: before that, right? And then now all of a sudden he's gone and it's just, it's all downhill from here.
2: Mm-hmm. I
4: will say this, though. In comparison, Bob has the most beautiful grave of all yes. of them. Yes.
3: Yes. See, was- could compete. Hers is really adorable.
0: I liked Prides. Yeah, but
3: yeah, Bob's
0: is, compared to theirs, Bob's is extravagant.
3: Yeah. <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's got the tomb of the weeping angel and
4: everything. And they leave his toys there, but yeah, yeah but <laughs> and then later you see the girls you with do. the same toy. With it, it was his favorite. Yeah, couldn't bear to leave um, it
2: behind. No. Nope, and that feels I, real. I, I probably would so have mm-hmm. it to myself, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, and I also think it. It sort of plays to the actors. I mean, I I don't know what their personal lives were, but I think probably it's easier to play play a scene where your beloved pet has died than sort of play the sort of Amber Zandra scene. I know I keep going back to that, but obviously that is the other that they are the other funerals that are within this yeah. series. Mm-hmm. So it kind of feels like yeah, they probably know more how to play that than they did the other two because they're so huge yeah that makes sense but it's interesting mm. that his funeral is the best yes. he gets the montage mm. so, oh bob you know i think um, amber and Sandra were just done dirty yeah. just done so they were, dirty. it was like it was an
0: afterthought too you know yeah
3: mm-hmm. but, well you could argue it's because bob's was meant to make you feel a comfort it's almost like celebrating his yes. life yeah celebrating mm-hmm. what bob was to us like this is tragic but remember how wonderful bob was how much we loved him where as a funeral you know like finding out that amber and zandra's dead you're not meant to feel any comfort you're meant to feel utter yeah, devastation like what yeah. just happened like how did yeah. this happen they were here one minute and then the next episode yes, And that's mad. exactly
2: how i felt in that moment so good work i think especially because the gains that they made were so much, like, they lost so much. They gained, but they didn't think they got anything from going there. And they've lost two, like, two, two people who were so important, mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah, like, why did we even go?
3: Yeah, like Dal mm-hmm. said, why did you, you brought us here. This is your fault, you know, to Tyson. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you bring us here, you know? We didn't gain anything. We just lost two important people to us. And you're just meant to feel that way.
2: Yeah, and you do. You really do. And like you say, it's so different when you have Bob's funeral because, yeah, it's full of celebration. Yeah, it's really sad he's gone. But look at all the wonderful times we had with him. And that that's how, you know, when you do have a pet funeral, it is hard to think about them at first. But then slowly, like, you know, with all grief, you're able to think about them, think about the happy times that you had with them. And then, you know, you're ready to get another pet if you choose to get one. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
3: To mention Bob is an uncomplicated character, you know. He just brought us nothing but joy.
2: I'm not sure about that. I think I think he was the fast <laughs> queen and um, he was complicated in ways we'll never understand. I, which was which was uh, still
3: amazing. Well that's what I mean. Like there's no I don't aside from Carlin, I don't think of anyone who didn't like Bob. Bob is brilliant. So it's it's an uncomplicated emotion to have to say goodbye to him. Because everybody's like, yeah,
2: yeah oh, Bob was a cool dog, yeah. you know? Bob he's, is iconic. He has iconic makeup. He He's iconic. Yes.
3: <laughs> we can all agree that this is sad, you know, and he's yes. awesome. We can all we agree, can agree that the yeah. funeral
0: was handled well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Great funeral.
2: Lovely night, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bob. We could have gone for an, like the rest of the season Before, with Bob. No, whole show. Yeah, it's fine. The whole show, yeah. <clears throat> what is it? I've got a city to rent.
1: Well, this
4: won't take long. Someone tried to poison Tysan.
0: They should have done it a long time ago.
4: Funny. And I'm wondering who's next. See, the only reason to get rid of Tyson would be if someone already knew the formula. And wanted to keep it to themselves. Am I making myself clear?
1: So when Tyson reveals to Bray that Bob died from ingesting poison meant for her, he immediately confronts Ebony, who denies involvement and quickly calls everyone together to launch an investigation, insinuating that someone in the mall must be a chosen spy. So yeah, I've got a couple of questions for you here, panel. What did you think of Ebony's immediate reaction and how she took control of the situation? And yeah, what did you make of Bray going along with this charade?
0: Not surprised. Nope. Um, I think they've set it up, you know, with the situation that, like, he's going to follow anything Ebony says at this point. He's going he's gonna to let her say what she feels she needs to say because it'll keep him out of getting in trouble for telling, you know, her the antidote. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got this, she has something over him now. And he's scared to be the bad guy. Mm. So he's just kind of letting her do whatever as long as
4: it keeps the heat off him. And I think a part of him doesn't want to believe that anything will be found at the other, Yeah, you know?
0: And, and, and I mean, it makes sense though, to just allow Ebony to do what she's got to do, you know, because they got to find something out anyway. Um, and Ebony is going to handle the situation in Ebony fashion. Everybody should mm-hmm. expect that. But yeah, and no, it's ugh, bray.
3: I got bray. to applaud the writing here. The mechanics are so well handled of how mm. this unfolds. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, this is masterful. Okay. Yeah. First you have Bray's natural inclination to go into denial when Tyson brings this to him. You know, he does, once again, he wants to turn his head away from how serious this is. We saw him do the exact same thing when Tyson pointed out, don't you mm-hmm. think it's weird that Ebony and yeah. Trudy went missing at the same time? Yep. And he gives her the same kind of answer. Like, so he's in Egypt right now, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. that feels very in on par with how he's been behaving and not wanting to, he's still you know, hiding from everything but damn Ebony now this is, this is Ebony on top of her game like the way she manipulates that conversation with she and Bray Mm -hmm. you know, he knows when Tyson came to him, even though he went into denial he's like, let's keep this between us because he knows, he already suspects like, oh my gosh there's only one person I know who can do this Who Mm -hmm. isn't worried about this, you know, her and the antidote because she doesn't need to be worried about it. So he goes to confront Ebony. And Ebony did one of the smartest things you can do when you've been accused of something like this. She's honest. I don't like her. I don't care. I wouldn't be sad if something bad happened to her. But do you think I'd be as stupid as this to do it this way and on and on and on? And it's like, well, why would someone confess that they have a motive if they're Mm -hmm. not guilty, you know? So that was very smart of her. And then I love where he's just like, okay, he doesn't know what to do. And then she's like, well, aren't you coming? We're going to go find out who did it. And yeah. Bray finds himself immediately like wrapped into an investigation that he didn't agree to. But what's he going to do? He Well, she's right. We have to find mm-hmm. this person. Mm-hmm. He does not see what, oh my gosh. I'm like, Bray, you suspected that she did this. You know you can't trust her. You know what she's capable of. And yet now she's in charge of the investigation. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, for oh, sure.
2: Oh, Ebony, you freaking genius. That happens with their relationship over and over again, though. You see that flip-flop where he does kind of want to trust her. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he goes against his natural instinct, which is, I can't trust her. Oh, yeah.
0: That goes back to you know how long he's known her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, he wants to feel like, okay, well, maybe there's a possibility that she might still be who she was before, blah, blah, blah. I you know, I don't know because we don't really know how she is. Mm-hmm. that that Bray ebony relationship is so complex,
2: well, I don't think he's ever seen her as she really is. I. I think he's always sort of put her on a... Maybe when they first met, he put her on a pedestal and maybe he didn't get take the time to get to know her. Mm-hmm. And so the actual interesting person she really is, he seems constantly surprised by her capabilities for doing something truly awful each mm-hmm. time. Even though we who have like watched her, been with her on this whole journey, are never surprised because it's like, no, that's Ebony. Do you not know her? And that's the thing is he does seem surprised, right? But at the same time, he also
0: seems like he's like, yeah, I should have known. Yeah. You know, like he lets her trick him so many times throughout the series. And she openly does it sometimes, too. Yeah. Like this time, so obvious. And he knows what she's doing, you know. But there's nothing. he can. Uh, Yeah. No, he's been backed into that corner. Yes. What what Mm -hmm. did, you know, like Liz said, what is he going to do? Say, no, I'm not going to help you investigate or no, we're not going to.
2: What is he gonna say? Because she's blackmailing him in such a, like you said, such an amazing way. The writing is is so good in this because she is essentially mm-hmm. blackmailing him. He has yeah. no option. He has to go yeah. along with her. You know. Yeah, yeah, and she's good at those half truths
0: like we've talked about. Before. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: because she's a great liar. She's good about telling you what she says. She's because a nasty
0: manipulator.
2: Yeah, because yeah, tell someone a half truth. Tell them what you they you mm-hmm. think that they need to hear. Just give them enough about the information that's going on to hide the big lie. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think Ebony is a brilliant character. She's, my she's favorite. one of the only characters in the show that you see and you actually think, no, her life is probably better with uh, because of the virus than it would have been mm-hmm. had that never happened. Probably. I can see that.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah.
3: I think sometimes with Bray that too, part of what his denial for, I mean, this is just a, a hot take at the moment, but um, sometimes I think when he looks at her and he can see her, you know, those demons, I I, I often wonder if the reason he goes into denial mode about Ebony so quickly, so often, uh, even after she's done some of the worst things she could, will ever do to him, is because it's a reflection on his own judgment. Like, Mm -hmm. how was this person able to fool me? Is this who she really is? How did I never see that? I fell for her. She was my girlfriend. You know, we would have gone to prom together. And how did I never see that this is who she really was? It's a lot easier to convince himself that, you know, again, like, I believe that Bray tries to convince himself that Ebony only became this way because of the virus and that this was Mm -hmm. never her true nature or anything like that, because it's a reflection on himself. And again, Brick prides himself on his good judgment of people. And how could I have ever ended up with someone like that? If she's evil, what does it say about me that I dated her, you know? Like, so I often wonder if it's like a preservation of his own, you know, the ego, you know, protecting what he thinks of himself there's no way i would have ended up with someone like that so she can't be a garbage person no (laughs) there's gotta be something so redeeming about her because otherwise i Mm -hmm. wouldn't have fallen for her i would have been able to see that about her right how can everybody else see this truth about ebony and i didn't no way i I can't handle that so you guys must be wrong or whatever oh my gosh the way she got him
2: I would also say um, redeemable, but I would also say with Ebony, there's an element of self-sabotage that she does Mm -hmm. um, herself emotionally, I think. I don't think she ever sabotages herself with schemes that she comes up with. I think she's always on top of her game. I think she's, she's, she strikes me as a sort of person be really good at chess, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think emotionally, she does sabotage herself quite often.
0: Yeah, she does. Yes. She does.
3: I describe Ebony as someone who learned at an early age to shoot first, to always assume yes. someone is yep. shooting at you.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm.
3: so that is her emotional approach to the world. Everyone is competition, every, or an enemy. You know what I mean? Like, and if you're not that, then you're just not on her radar. But, um, and that's how she evaluates everyone the minute she meets you. Are you competition or are you an enemy? Like, so I know how to, and otherwise you're nothing. So I, I think that's what her childhood taught her that if you don't shoot first someone is going to shoot you. So you have to treat mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. like a threat to your emotional well-being. You know, and yeah, so she ends up sabotaging many of her emotional relationships yeah. and then confused as to how I can't trust anybody, you know.
2: Well, it's <laughs> yeah. self-fulfilling mm-hmm. prophecy, isn't it? She she yeah. d- she, she thinks it's always going to end badly and a lot of the times she steers it in that direction. Yeah. But I, I would also say everything you've just said is a great sort of um, uh, backstory without giving us any backstory because you can kind of guess the sort of background that Ebony had without them ever having to tell you because yeah. it's so mm-hmm. wrapped around the character. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've, I just want to also say um, I wrote down strychnine, rat poisons, probably what did bob in. I Googled it. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor
0: Bob <sighs>
2: uh, Yeah, he's really gone down the old um, Agatha Christie route there
0: mm-hmm.
2: Such Sadness Yeah
1: I was going to mention that like, um, Wasn't anyone surprised that Ebony had that in her arsenal?
5: So, no, I'm not
0: surprised I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, At the very least, I'm not surprised That she knew where to get it Okay, mm-hmm. now Am I surprised that she was absolutely 100% Willing to kill Tysan A little bit mm a little bit okay because because Ty- yeah. ebony is a horrible person okay ebony is she has done some bad awful things so it's usually to people who deserve it or who she feels like really deserve it what has tyson actually done to her i think oh. she starting started to see that tyson was on her though possibly that's possible but usually ebony likes facts so i guess i mean for me in that moment i was a little bit surprised she was willing to act absolutely go that far and then when it ended up you know not being tyson it ended up getting bob she was like oh okay well let's just you know we're gonna continue to do with this frame job whatever no big deal Mm -hmm. dog died but a person was supposed to die you know
3: i think it's a matter of um up until this point just like you said maggie yeah we knew that wasn't the greatest person, but you could argue that she didn't mess with anybody who hadn't threatened her first, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so it's like, remember season one, our Marats kept her in a cage and she still sure. kept her word to them and left them alone. She left them out of her plans for world domination and just let them live their lives. You know, she was like, fine, we're square. I got what I wanted from you. I won't bother you. So at, till this point you're thinking, well, Hey, okay. She's at least a fair adversary. If you don't mess with her, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the whole thing with Trudy comes down, and you're like, all right, that was that sucked, but you see, well, maybe it was just she's an opportunist. She wasn't...
2: And, and it's personal as well, I think, between Ebony and Trudy. There's, there's a personal element mm-hmm. there. Right, you know, so you're like, okay,
3: again, you're like, all right, I guess in her code of honor, that makes sense.
2: But yeah, for her to go...
3: To kill someone simply because they're in the way. Yeah. It's a new introduction to her character where you're like, yeah. oh, I-, I didn't think you'd do something like that to somebody. Because again, Tysan's only crime is that she's in the way. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm wondering though, if she actually put a dose in there that was would have been lethal for Tysan, or if her goal was just to frame Danny. I, I definitely, I believe wholeheartedly. The insinuation is that she was trying
3: to kill her.
0: So yeah, you know, like, but that is a good, you know, question though as well, because I never thought about it in that way. Because is she smart enough to know how much she would need? Um, possibly, it's Ebony. I do, I do agree with you, Sabine, though, on the fact that it could be, you know, that she was just planning to frame Danny. I mean, uh,
2: for an
4: attempt, right?
0: You know, because what did I due to warrant dying. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I don't think it's about that. I don't even think it's personal with Tyson. It is just that she is in the way, and getting rid of her means that she can manipulate Bray as much as she wants and get sort of the profit that she wants, the power that she needs. And we kind of going back to the start of the series, you had Ebony, Lex, and Tyson team up um, when they mm-hmm. were looking for the antidote, didn't you? And Tyson. I think got a read on Lex yeah. and Ebony quite quickly. She 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 might come uh-huh. across as um quite head in the clouds, but I don't think that's her real truthful personality. I think she is like Ebony, she is like Lex. She does get a good read on people. She might act completely differently to how they would act, but she knows people and she uh-huh. never really trusted Ebony, I don't think. Oh. And it and Ebony's part. I don't think that in I don't think that she would really want to kill Tyson because I don't like you, Tyson. I want you dead. We know that she doesn't like Tyson, but her thing is that this is not personal. This is not about whether I like you or not. It's just that you're in the way. I can get everything I've ever wanted if you're if you're not on the premises, and I can get rid of Danny too. I can get two mm-hmm. birds with one stone. And sadly, Bob paid the ultimate price.
3: Yeah, I agree. That's what I think Mm -hmm. it was. I I don't think it was a personal thing. It wasn't like I hate her. She makes my life miserable. You know, at this point, she doesn't really have a true motive for getting rid of Tyson. She has the formula, you know. Um, But yeah, it's just, and that's why it's shocking for some people because they just didn't see this michael corleone aspect to ebony's character yeah they were just like wow i didn't think you could be that cold about eliminating a threat or eliminating something or an obstacle you know um and yeah that's who she is she's letting you know absolutely if you're in my way that's how callously i can feel about it you know and the fact that she never shows any remorse for it either is also, yeah. for me, that's the most disturbing. And yeah. going forward, it, there's never a moment where Ebony's like, Phew, you know, I can't believe I was willing to do that." Yeah. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like, no, she's fine with it. Like, it, as far as she's concerned, that was necessary. You know, because um, you were just in the way of what my plans were yeah. and
0: what's a life. And,
2: mm-hmm. and in this
0: sense, she gets rid of both the, the you know competition with Danny and with Tyson.
2: Yeah, and I think with Ebony, whatever she deems is necessary is also right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, from her perspective. Yes, because she is always going to look out for that number one. So if it if it is to protect herself, you know, she's a survivor. Then it's right in her eyes. She has to do. You know, collateral damage is not a problem for her.
3: Which is why she's always so surprised with people's reaction yeah. to her actions. Because if she's yeah. already deemed it in her head as. This is right and logical. What's your problem? Of course, she's going to be shocked when people are upset yeah. at the things that she's done. And it's like, get yeah. over it. Right. You know, and it's like, you tried to murder someone. Yes. She's like, that was yesterday, for Pete's sake. <laughs> right.
2: You can also see, I think, why the militia are and the are so, and the locos are so frightened of her. I mean, they are intimidated by her. And she is a small, you know, petite uh woman who and these men are terrified of her and you think what has she actually done that we haven't seen
0: yeah
5: oh oh yeah (laughs) because
2: i i think one of the strengths of the show is obviously because it's aimed uh, a younger audience they have to write between the lines and i think sometimes they do that really well with ebony because Mm -hmm. you think there's so much more here that we've not been privy to that she has done
3: yeah oh for sure I do wonder though, um, I think something that some of the fans might want, ask at this point, because we have brought this up, how much of this was influenced by her relationship with Zoot? Because we know he did in many ways break her emotionally. Yes. You know, we, I, mm-hmm. I fully believe that while he didn't create Ebony, he definitely influenced how cold she's capable of being. And, it makes you. It, it's more eye-opening to what he was doing mm. behind the scenes as mm. well.
2: Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I suppose there's another way that you can also look at it. You can say he was one level of bad, but to maintain the locos after he's gone, maybe she's had to step it up a gear True. because, because they can easily just say, "You're a suits woman. You're his ex-girlfriend. I'm not interested. Yes. I'm not going to listen to anything you've got to say." And we know that a lot of the Chosen did leave because like Jaffa left. And there were a lot of people after they had the tribal gathering that sort of left. Yes. So for her to maintain the, the power, maybe she had to step up a gear.
4: Good point. One of the things that terrifies me about this episode and this specific part of the storyline is how quickly she manages to have everyone doubt each other. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah
0: she's, she's, she's a master at what she does.
2: She gets a read on everyone.
4: Yeah, and you can see it in their eyes the disbelief with a wait, you think one of us is actually a spy? And they're, you know, instantly doubting each other with a mm. who could this be? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sorry. This is a piece of writing that I, I didn't like. It, it feels like Watergate all over again. <laughs> there you have Ebony leading this this fast of a trial. Ebony, the leader of the Locos, this fug, this killer. Uh, um, and everyone else is suddenly looking at each other, thinking, "Oh, it could be one of us. Uh, like we're the chosen spy." And I'm not looking at Ebony.
3: I'm sorry. This is just. I know, it's just so and strange. it's
4: Ebony of all people. It does go that quickly,
3: though. Mm. One of the works about it is I don't, unlike the Watergate, where the person who is being put on question as to whether they would do this, it doesn't make sense for everyone no. to get on board and believe it uh, when there's a more obvious culprit right in front of you and nobody's considering that culprit. I think what makes this one work is Ebony doesn't just leave it in the air that, oh, one of us might be a chosen spy. She... Puts the idea out there and right immediately after she gives them the answer as for who it is. And Mm -hmm. so, like, if she had just left it out there in the ether that, oh, one of us might be a chosen spy, you know. Yeah, it would feel weird that the rest of them were looking at each other, side-eyeing each other, like, could it be one of us, you know? But that's not what Ebony does, because she knows she can't just leave that out there, because mm-hmm. no one's going to believe that about each other after a while. It's like, how can any of us be? A, we've been together, like, up each other's butts for yeah. weeks and months, and none of us are new. She know, she puts the idea out there of doubt, and then she immediately gives them an answer. She delivers a culprit. That is a believable culprit for them. That mm-hmm. is why they're just like, oh, wow, that actually makes sense to us. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so I think mm-hmm. that's why it works. She doesn't just throw it in the air and then they're all pointing fingers at each other blindly. Mm-hmm. It's just give them that idea. Paint the picture, the narrative she wants, and then give them the most logical culprit for it.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing you could say, is the way that she's blindsided at first by Alice getting involved. And then you kind of see the cogs going in Ebony's mm-hmm. head where she's like, actually, Alice is probably one of the most reliable people in this mall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If she's the one, if I let her off the lead and lead her where I want her to go, and she's the one, then there'll be less questions. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Alice makes an cool, cool. incredible... Alice makes it a credible investigation. Exactly. Yeah. Her being involved. And you can kind of see it. Because at first, Ebony is genuinely, I feel, blindsided uh-huh. by Alice wanting to be involved. But then she's so clever and she's so quick that she's mm-hmm. like, actually, uh, yeah, why not? This is perfect. Because no one can say anything then.
3: Because nobody questions the evidence. Because yeah. Alice was involved. You I would never find it.
2: Alice. Exactly. Like-
3: why would Alice would never lie about this? They have no reason in the world no. to doubt her. It's the same reason why Casey makes sure that Chloe's the one who finds the water in Bray's Room. I was going to
1: say, to be mm-hmm. fair, this is exactly like yes. Watergate, the whole structure. Yeah. like Lex throws it out there that one of one of them is a thief. They start pointing fingers, and then he arranges it so that Casey finds and Chloe finds the water in Bray's Room. So
3: I mean, it's kind of yeah. it's really similar.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this one actually works better.
3: Yes, I was going to say the structure is the same, better. but this. is this is a better execution of that structure because we have a believable culprit. No one, there was no reason to ever believe that Bray had done it. And again, the crime was just not serious enough to even merit what was happening. But this is yes, the same structure,
4: but just a better writing. There's already been that much doubt about Danny. Yeah. With people not knowing this much about her.
2: And there's some resentment there, isn't there, towards Danny? Like, you kind of get the sense that Celine is resentful of her. Trudy was resentful of her.
5: Mm You know? Oh, yeah.
2: And so when people are resentful of someone saying, Oh, do you know they did this? Suddenly they're like, Oh, do you know I knew they were bad? Because Lex even says that. Mm -hmm. He even says, uh, You know, when he finds that, I knew there was something wrong with her. Yeah.
3: Danny was. Perfect fall guy, absolutely, absolutely yeah. perfect. She showed up out of nowhere. She yeah. and I, I, actually feel bad for Danny here because she has so many things in her own personality working against her. Here, it's yeah. like being very, it's like being very unlikable, you know. And yeah. so people are willing to believe bad things about you because. Mm-hmm. They don't like you, you know what I mean? So when you think about everything Danny has done, even us knowing she's innocent, like, yeah, if we didn't know, she's a really good culprit, you know, for this. She mm -hmm. comes out of nowhere. The minute she shows up, where does she do? She makes sure she shacks up with the leader. She's all about taking charge and telling people what to do. She's not a very nice person. She doesn't make any bonds with anybody. She's always sniping at people over the smallest thing. Mm -hmm. So there's not even a sense of, like oh i like her you know it's more like i kind of just tolerate her she's a weirdo who lives here now you know what i mean and once you make these people think about why is she here where did she come from what is motivating her they're thinking of all of these behaviors that they've seen her play from the moment she showed up and she's just pulled a bill of rights out of her butt she wants to tell the city what to do and they're yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so. And masterful. she
0: just got them to sign it too, you know, like. No! So, so Danny has got these thoughts in her head. Okay, Ebony made those comments specifically about the death penalty, and if anybody else were to, you know, whatever, okay, bring it, bring up the death penalty for murder, that she would have to back them. Right. So now Danny's got these thoughts in her head. She knows she's been framed. Ebony wants her dead
2: like and i mean i think um, as as well with danny she hasn't lived with a tribe so she's kind of tr- she's still operating for a lot of the early part of when she first joins as if she is not with a tribe you know as if she's like mm-hmm. a guest recurring character you know <laughs> in a show <laughs> but she's used to operating on her own and i think that also feeds into it because she is so secretive she shares things with But not everything, and like you say, she does bite back, bite with people, and expect things to be done. And she's—I mean, I'm an only child. Danny's an only child. I can completely see where she's coming from because she is used to working as a sort of solo unit and thinking, "Why aren't things happening when they should be happening?" If that makes sense. And you're completely right when you say that she herself is making herself—you know. Uh, such a target yeah. she's right there in the open and there's no one around her other than Bray who wants to would even try to protect her but Bray can't because he's hum, hum, you know Ebony is there blackmailing him so he can't be honest with everybody else saying oh hang on Ebony's got this vested interest
0: mm-hmm. yeah
2: so yeah it is better than Watergate <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm just going to have to agree to disagree with you guys, because I, I really don't feel it's that much better Well, no, but, um, but with,
0: I mean... <laughs> with everyone
1: suddenly pointing at Ray, oh yeah, he comes and goes, he does what he wants, he's really mysterious, do we actually really know him and all that it stuff? It is like, exactly I just, I don't, the same. That's the mysteriousness of the situation yeah. is not... It, it,
4: it is the same, and yet, I like this one better. Well,
0: you know, it, it also you stop and you think about who who the fir- who set up the first one, it was Lex, Okay. And now they're setting up this, mm-hmm. this storyline for Lex to have this big downfall, this big failure in life, right? Like he's just going gonna to hit that, that floor, right, rock bottom. Um, whereas Ebony has got control, and she is usually always in control, right, in one sense or another. So she pulls it off so much better, and it just kind of shows a contrast between the two characters and how they handle things and how, how they turn out. For for either one of them, you know? X, they don't tend to Mm. work out in, in, you know, he didn't get in trouble for it. So I guess it worked out in his favor. He's still there. Mm And he never gets in trouble for anything. Ever.
3: I'll say again, I agree. This is just like the structure of Watergate, but again, it's just done better. Um, we talked about that the only way Lex gets any leverage in the last trial is because everyone else had to be made into an idiot. You'd yeah. have to be a, a moron to believe that Bray did this. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's just not enough there for these guys to be like, oh yeah, he would totally screw us over this way after all of this time. There's just not enough evidence there to have everyone in the group on board with us and doubting him. And again. Remember, in that one, no one ever expressed that they did believe he did it, you know. But Mm -hmm. again, Danny is the perfect culprit to pin Mm -hmm. this on. You know, Mm -hmm. we have seen her arguing with Tyson, you know, just annoyed when nobody agrees with her. We've seen her fighting for power. And again, Mm -hmm. these kids don't know what's motivated Danny. They don't know where Danny came from. Danny has not reached out to actually... Know, try and be friends with any of them. She's either snapping at them, bossing them around, snapping at them over things. Her behavior is suspicious. So these guys Mm -hmm. don't come across as idiots for buying this. You know, they're shocked, you know, because they didn't want to think anything bad about her, but they don't come across as you guys would have to be morons to believe this. It's like, yeah, I buy everyone who looks at her and goes, this makes sense. I'm I'm sorry that it makes sense, but it does make sense. And mm-hmm. that's what makes it better than Watergate. Even if it is using the same structures, just showing that your stories can have the same bones. It's what you do with those bones. It's how you cook them mm-hmm. up and season them that makes, you know, gives it substance, you know? And so that's why it works for me. I just yes. Ebony, wow, yes. I'm impressed. Where's your villain song
0: right now? <laughs> <laughs> you <amazing>. deserve one. <laughs> so she had it plotted down, like, and you were right, uh, Tamzin, when you said that you know Alice really threw her for a loop with that, but but she was able to to bounce back and recover really quickly.
2: And that just shows how quickly
0: yeah. her mind works and how, how, how intelligent yeah. she really is in those situations, mm-hmm. and to read that room. As quickly as she did, as well. Um, yeah. Good for Ebony, but what a bad girl! <laughs>
4: <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty! She's a great villain, yes. though. I think. Yes. Uh, that's mm-hmm. all I can
3: think. That's all I can think through the whole episode. I'm like, this is beautiful Absolutely. villainy. Like, I'm just. Yeah. I, I'm not even mad. I'm just. Right. Yes. Right.
4: I mean, when Lex tried to pull something like this, I was just yes. mad, at him. and it was just so dumb, you know. But with Ebony,
0: it's just. Well played.
4: It's really. Yeah, it's one of those
0: moments at the end where you're like, okay, well
4: played. Nice move. Good game. Now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still say Danny's outfit looks like it could have been made by the same person who made Jaffa's robes.
2: Oh, yeah. I actually really like um, Danny's outfit. This though. isn't my favorite mm-hmm. one yes. of her outfits, I but first, I do like it. When I first saw her, she. She can't now. This is crazy, but she kind of reminded me. You know Hitchcock blondes. I know she's not a blonde, mm-hmm. but they're always sort of ice cold and sort of like um uh, like self possessed and quite mm-hmm. far away from everyone else and quite haughty. Now that outfit screams to me Hitchcock blonde. That is what they mm-hmm. would wear if they were in the tribe. Mm-hmm. And I just I think it's such a great outfit. And like y- you're right, it it Maggie, it is her best one. I this think because the rest don't really match with her, and that's kind of like the high point of Danny's look in the series. I think me.
0: when people think <laughs> of Danny, this is what they think. This is the look that they're they're thinking yeah. of.
2: And I love the use of it's kind of like white slash ice blue, mm-hmm. and. I think mm-hmm. the thing about it is it does make you feel like there's those associations with white, with purity and honesty uh-huh. and things like that. And Ernie mm-hmm. is a lot of things, but she is none of those things. Yeah. So to to, to get her wearing all white is really an interesting choice in the same way mm-hmm. that Amber used to wear a lot of black, which mm-hmm. is an interesting choice for her as well because early Amber was a lot of those things. I mean, in a way, she was she was naive, she was honest, and she she was pure. She had a pure heart. She wanted yeah. to do the right things, and yet she predominantly wears black. And it, I just think it's I don't know whether it was a conscious choice. I'm sure it wasn't, but it's just so interesting that they clothe those characters in the way that they do. Mm-hmm you know? Oh, and also there's an element of attention grabbing, isn't there? It's everybody else is in like reds and blacks and earth tones, and you're walking in, you're in white. It's like, okay, so we know who we're all looking at.
3: Really, um, there might have been a thought, some thought. I I do think in these earlier seasons, there's a lot of thought put into the costumes. I think the costume department does yeah. a great job in yeah. telling They, They use the costumes to tell as much a story about these characters. Yeah. Things that isn't in the writing will never be expressed. Mm-hmm that you can imagine when you're looking at their clothes. And that's something costume designers have to do all the time. They're imagining who this person is and why they're wearing what they're wearing. And when you look at Danny's outfit, um, you, you make a good point. She's wearing all white and where we usually associate that with a purity and honesty. And Danny does not actually seem to evoke those feelings from you when you meet her and how she behaves. Um, even though her motives are true. At the end of the day, her motives are good. Um, she's just, you know, (laughs) she's not a people person. Um, but uh Mm. I think there's something else about that white outfit because when I look at it, white may be a comforting color, but it is also how it's presented to you. And I never found Danny's outfit to be comforting. It's
4: cold,
3: it's it creates a distance, it it's off putting, in fact. It's so perfect and structured and so white it doesn't match the world they're in it's Mm -hmm. incongruent when you're seeing her in the same way that Jaffa and his white chosen robe there's just Mm -hmm. something that your brain says that doesn't there's something wrong about that that doesn't make sense that this person's wearing this you know Mm -hmm. when most of your characters are wearing earth tones and colors that make sense for the world they're living in and so seeing Danny in all this white, I never get purity. I get, there's something off about you. Yeah. Th- that costume, it alienates you. It makes yeah. her stand so isolated from everybody. It makes her look suspicious, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I-, I do think there is some thought in making her stand out and stand apart and not look like mm-hmm. anybody else. She And the same way they use you know makeup to show alliances and relationships between people they use this costume to make danny stand apart from everyone she does not have anyone she can trust or rely on or confide to she's hiding in plain sight you know um so that is that is interesting
2: and it is interesting i mean i'm now thinking about how the other characters that wear white, and the only, and like you say, the only other one that I can think of is Jaffa and the Chosen. Mm-hmm. And but the white that they wear is very different to the white that she wears. You know, it hers is you could almost say it's like a icy yes. blue. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I completely agree with her being distant from the rest. And when you see them in a line, she always stands out. And it's a great way of like if you were to say Look at this group of people. Which one do you think the odd one is? They would, you would circle Danny. Yeah,
4: and I do think that helps in making her. Yeah, yeah, know, absolutely more, more suspicious.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, it's like using the color red in the
3: sixth sense long before you know what that color symbolizes it's in all of the places that inherently tell us what the freaking secret is you know um where the danger is the whole time it's always cloaked in red it's in plain sight the movie isn't trying to hide the secret from you it's screaming the secret in your face so this whole time danny is dressed in a way that she's always meant to evoke your attention she's always meant to get you on a subconscious level. Like you said, you can always pick her out of the crowd. You Mm -hmm. always, your eye is drawn to her. She is a secret hiding in plain sight. Dal, what's that
0: doing here? Dal brought the lamb cause we lost Bob. He should be with his mother.
2: We can look after him. That's not the point, Patsy. If you take him away, his mother could reject him. It was a nice thought, but he really ought to go back. It's too
0: late now, it's dark. Well, first thing in the morning. I'm sorry, Ellie. I didn't know.
4: Doctor Doolittle strikes again.
1: Okay, we'll, we'll come back to Danny in a minute. Um, let's take a side detour, because we need to talk about Dow and Jack. Um, so Dow brings the baby lamb back from the farm to console Patsy and Chloe over loss of Bob. But Ellie tells him it needs to go back, or his mother might reject it, all to Jack's amusement. So, yeah, Pano, what did you make of Jack's jealousy here? And... Like, on the flip side, what do you think about Dow's kind of active pursuit of Ellie knowing how Jack feels about her?
0: I think it just goes to show that, like, they aren't really as good of friends as as everyone likes to think that they are. Um, you know, there's always that going to be that, that competition between them. Um, Ellie's the only girl their age in the mall, you know, mm-hmm. and... I mean, it's pretty crappy because it kind of blows that illusion of them being the best of friends, right? Which we kind of get, have to, you know, hear more about later on in the series as well. Uh, And it, why Dal? I don't understand it. I mean, I I don't understand why he would do it. You know, knowing, because Dal seems like the type, like, I figured it would have been like, okay, well, Jack like, sir. I'll back off. You know, or I won't. I won't even attempt to pursue that. Mm. Right. Um, it kind of just changes my perspective, I guess, on how he views his friendship with Jack.
4: I wonder though is is he just going after Ellie to be able to share more interest with Jack? Uh, I doubt it.
2: I think they're quite disconnected by this yeah. point, aren't they? Because yeah. I felt really sorry for Dal. When he went to the farm and he was just talking to the animals and you realize really at this point, I think if Dal just stayed at the farm and popped in occasionally because they don't really know what to do with his character, I think. No. Without Amber Mm -hmm. being there with his relation, because really he had two points of connection, I think, which was Amber, but then they sort of let that slide a bit. And then the next one was obviously Jack, which was quite strong. But I would say in series one, when Jack was on trial, Dahl wasn't exactly, he wasn't saying, "Um, oh no, you, you can't do this to my, you know, he, he was pretty ready to throw him out like everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, but without their connection of their friendship, Dahl doesn't really have anyone else that is, that he sort of interacts with that often. And he's kind of like a satellite character without anyone to sort of satellite around now. Yeah. <laughs> he's,
3: these two have become, they're becoming bitter exes at this point. I mean, me think of something my mother told me when I first started dating. One of the first things of wisdom she told me, do not get involved with brothers or best friends. You do not want to be the water that freezes and breaks that rock. And uh, no, this is not me blaming Ellie. I'm just making a point here. Um, at the, at the end of the day, I, I think there's a lot going on here. I think Tamsin makes a really good point about Dal's isolation and that without that connection to Jack, without that tether, he's floating. He doesn't have anybody. And I, I think that plays a really important part with why he starts to almost, you know, dream about this connection with Ellie. Um, at first, he simply accepts that it looks like it's Jack and Ellie who are connecting here. And of course he feels left out, but he stays out of it. He doesn't, you know, really remark upon it. You know, he playfully teases Jack. And at first you could argue that Dal was somewhat supportive of this, you know. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he's playfully teasing Jack about Ellie. You know, but he he doesn't, he doesn't seem upset about it. You know, it's only when I feel like Dal's responding a lot to what Jack is how Jack is treating him, you know. Yeah. Um Like, at first he was fine with, okay, my, you know, my ex-boyfriend has found someone else. She seems cool. I'm still in the loop. You know what I mean? That's fine. But as soon as, you know, Jack starts being worse than his usual jerkish self, you know, just taking every chance he can to Mm -hmm. take a shot at Dow. Like, he can't let a single opportunity go without being a jackass. Like, he is looking for every opportunity he can, you know, just to... Help himself feel better, whatever. Um, I feel like Dal is definitely responding to that psychologically, like, Wow, you're such a jerk to me. So, why should I? Res- you don't respect these bonds of friendship. So, I certainly shouldn't have to respect them. So, why wouldn't Dal say, You know what? I'm going to throw my hat in this ring and see if there's a possibility for me, too. Because Jack has already taken their friendship completely off the table and said, I don't mm-hmm. care about you. I'm going to treat you like garbage. Why would Dal feel any sort of loyalty? to jack at that point you know um but i also think it has more to do with the fact that he and ellie connected over something that's important to dow you know um he hasn't had a connection like that with anyone really like over something that dow loves to do he hasn't had a chance i mean he connected with jack over things that jack likes to do But Jack never really connected with Dal on what Dal was interested in. And here's Dal on the farm, really invested in this life. It's what he's always wanted. And even his best friend, Amber, didn't want it with him, you know? And, you know, and he tried it with Trudy. And even Trudy was like, I'd rather live in a looted shopping mall than with you. Sorry, you know? And so he's finally hanging out with Ellie. And she is showing an interest. You know what I mean? Like, Even though she hates the farm, she stays there with him. They get to have this magical experience of bringing new life onto the planet. That is who the endorphins that must be going through Dal's brain at this moment. The connection he must feel to Ellie. She doesn't feel it because this is old hat for her. She's done this so many times. But for Dal, this is brand mm-hmm. new. This is something he hasn't felt since his parents used to take him camping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh this was magical he spent this night with Ellie doing this thing that was just like I never thought I could do that it was amazing and he even refers to the lamb as our baby you know it it says a lot about what that moment Mm -hmm. meant to Dal and I get why he would try to recreate it and try to get Ellie back to the farm and when Ellie doesn't want to come back to the farm he brings the lamb to her, for Pete's sake, so that he and Ellie will have mm-hmm. something in the mall to connect over. Like, I'm like, there's a lot going on with Dow right now, you know, and just hovering, trying to find a connection, a tether with somebody. And
2: yeah. I feel bad for him, too. Yeah. I
3: do. <laughs> I really do.
2: Personally, I think if I, if they wrote the series in 2022... I would like to have seen a a triangle that was a bit more developed. So, for instance, you had um, maybe a situation where you had, uh, uh, for instance, you had like Dal likes uh, Ellie, but Jack likes Dal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or something, you know, where you've got a more a sort of, you've got a triangle that feels like it could go anyway. if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And you're sort of invested in all of the Because I think that the sad thing is that the trio are really good together. When they're good together, they're really good together. And they're the sort of people that you could imagine would live in a throuple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's just, yeah, they they just don't go down there. And it's all sort of very... um, uh, binary and, and Dal is, is losing out because of that. And Jack is just the worst. If I was yeah. better, I'd be like, I do not want to go out with you. You are, you are mean, mean to your that. friends. I <laughs> like Jack.
0: Yeah. He,
3: he is so lucky she's yes. attracted to that big brain energy. Yes. <laughs> she's like, that's cerebral cortex. I can't resist that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But they, they could have had such an interesting dynamic where you, you you kind of, there are points for all of them to be in a relationship. So like Jack and Ellie to be in a relationship, Jack and Dal to be in a relationship, Ellie and Del to be in a relationship. And you just think these, these are great points at any point, you know, any of these people yeah. could work together. But instead it's not really like that. And it's just, it always feels like a missed opportunity. And I know it's through the, through being older and, and um, you know, it's 2022. So you could probably do this now. You couldn't really do it then. Um, Mm -hmm. But it, it just always feels to me like a missed opportunity. And it feels so, I feel so bad for Dahl because repeatedly he's kind of forgotten about or only really used if the plot needs like he's a doctor or we need somebody to work at the farm. All of these other aspects, like for instance, Tyson can do medicine and Alice can do the farm, if that makes sense. And there's you, you kind of feel like it would make more sense if he just did stay at the farm and occasionally came back in, you know? Yeah. Just just for me, because his character mm-hmm. doesn't really have anywhere to go. And like you said, um uh he he is just adrift. Mm and it's such a shame.
3: Dal is a quintessential tertiary character.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a when he is a good character when it in that situation where he's not in the mall all the time. And like you said when he had that lovely moment with Ellie, that was a really lovely moment to see. Um, but yeah, when he, when he's there more often, he's kind of just like, he's got like two lines and nothing's really happening or he's, or he's having this terrible fall light with Jack and he's not, neither of them sort of cover themselves in any sort of glory.
3: I'm sorry. I just have this image of Ellie's <laughs> thought bubble about Jack. Where it's just like, you know, you have to explain why you're yeah. dating a jerk and it's usually because they're yeah. super hot and I'm just seeing Ellie going, I know he's a jerk, but you guys, you should see his neuron fire. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is.
2: So, uh, I actually think they're quite a good couple, though Jack and Ellie. Because me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're very. I think yeah. they're very similar. You know, they're the same. Yeah, really? Say. Yeah. You know, because she's not that much different to him. No, she's not. And you. It's almost as if, like, actually, Dal is the one who would say, "Can you see his neurons firing?" You know, when he is, when he is making them. You know, those calculations. I mean, it is so hot. <laughs> You know, because uh, like, what is the attraction between those two boys? One of them is just an okay guy, and the other one is just like not not okay. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. Exactly. Yeah, but you know, but I would have loved to have seen something where you had um, the th- the three of them in a sort of in a love triangle that was maybe a b- bit less conventional. Yeah, more consensual.
0: They could have made a
3: really good pewter triangle. You know, um, I always think of, like, you know, Harry Potter, the mm-hmm. golden trio. And yeah. these guys, these guys would have been a great trio. Pewter, definitely, mm-hmm.
2: though. So we're thinking Ginny, Luna, and Neville. Mm-hmm. Harry, oh, Ron, I was thinking
0: Hermione,
3: Ron, yeah. Hermione, and Harry. Yeah. yeah, like, that's, that was uh, the golden trio. Right?
0: Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I mean. I am you guys should just
3: shack up together. But, but uh, yeah, I look. At, I agree with you looking at, you know, Ellie, Jack, and... Dal, they are stronger as a threesome. I I think they mm -hmm. make a great threesome. I'm, I'm sad that they couldn't have just been really good three friends because those scenes when it's the three of them are very good. Um, it's another one of those examples where they decide to bring in the drama of teen love to ruin a great connection. But again, I'm not going to, you know, get on their case about that. That does happen, but I just. I didn't need it you know what I mean I didn't it wasn't necessary for me I didn't need that kind of drama I um in fact I, I would have found the drama more interesting if the jealousy was about the friendship and not a yeah, girl yeah. you know um any of them feeling like maybe I don't fit in with this friendship or something
4: uh, but yeah, you, know, you know it's teen tv so <laughs> and for teenagers behavior mm. makes sense I, it is a wasted opportunity shouldn't we redo it what to tell the people about Danny? (laughs) Haven't you heard the old story about dirty laundry? Yeah, don't do it in public. We've only just got the other tribes on our side. How's it gonna look if they think the Mallrats have a spy for the Chosen amongst them?
0: I guess, yeah.
1: Okay, uh, let's stick with Jack Mm. and Ellie because Jack wonders if he and Ellie should write about Danny in their news sheet. But Alice and Ellie think that is a bad idea as they've only just got the other tribes to trust them and she makes comments about airing their dirty laundry. So um, I found it interesting because, yeah, what did you make of that? Because doesn't this kind of go against Ellie's own belief about seeking out and letting everyone know the truth?
2: I feel like when I was watching it, I felt like the lines that Jack was saying um, were should have been for Ellie, if that makes sense, and that Jack and Alice should have agreed mm-hmm. about not saying anything. Because... I kind of feel that Jack and Alice are, I mean, Jack is a pragmatist and so Mm. is Alice.
5: Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, and Ellie isn't. She's the sort of person that would go out on the streets, you know, she would would get involved in, in, uh, she would write some sort of news sheet for uh, a a political party, if that makes sense. And she would distribute Mm -hmm. it herself, which is kind of what she's doing. Whereas I think Jack is a pragmatist, and his his instinct is always to hide if there's any trouble. He, he's a hider and he's a survivor. And Alice is, let's say, she's a she's a grown up. She you get the sense with her she's lived a bit in the world. She's clever enough to have realised that sometimes you just need to not yeah. say the thing. Whereas Ellie is so idealistic and so um, sort of headstrong. But when I was watching, I thought, "Hang on no, Yeah, me too today. Right. Me too today. I felt that same way, and
0: I couldn't put my finger on it. And that's exactly what it is. The first time I saw it, I actually
3: felt because you're gonna remember this is what we're first introduced about Ellie. Like this cautious, like we shouldn't be airing this kind of dirty laundry. This isn't gonna help anybody. So I'm like, I accepted mm. that that's who Ellie was. That mm-hmm. yeah, you know, she's. She's more grounded, you know, and I Mm -hmm. respected that. And it made sense that she and Alice agreed on it. I'm like, yeah, they grew up and came from the same school of thought. So it's later that I feel like Ellie's being contradicted in her personality because this was introduced to us first. And this is what they're telling us about Ellie, that no, Mm -hmm. she wouldn't go off and just say anything. She's not going to report everything. She's thoughtful about what she's going to report. So later when Ellie shows that she's not willing to be thoughtful about what she reports and is actually kind of irresponsible about her reporting Mm -hmm. that makes this stand out as odd and it's like but this came first this is what you first Mm -hmm. told me about her and her Mm -hmm. journalistic integrity this is the journalist you introduced me to it's only later that you'll see now that's apparently not the journalist she
4: Mm -hmm. is but right right now in this moment it did make sense to me at least that jack wouldn't think of oh that yeah no for sure i think i just re-
0: no i think about i just p- remembered feelings. it differently right cuz i know who ellie's character is now like i know who they portray her as yeah, now I and think when they- i rewatched it today yeah. i was like that just that doesn't seem right so i just mis- must have misremembered mm-hmm. the conversation but her going along with alice 100 per mi- or you know makes sense
2: because it's her big sister and she knows that alice usually knows mm-hmm. best and they've got, and they, and like I say, I think that they are the best sibling pairing in, yes, because you yeah. do believe that they're sisters. They're completely supportive of each other. They can have a laugh with each other and they, they feel like real sisters. There's a real affection there. They protect each other. Yeah. I could, yeah. No, I, I agree that, that they would have very similar attitudes to things. But yeah, I just, I, I suppose I agree. It's just your prior mm-hmm. knowledge of the character feeding in mm-hmm. to when you watch it again. Um, but I would say, though, didn't this is going back to quite early in the series, though. Wasn't Ellie going into the city? Is that yes. not how she got the virus? Yeah, she knew she wasn't supposed to. So, so she can yeah. be quite. Yeah. Yeah. So she can be quite mm-hmm. headstrong. She can kind of not listen to what people I, are saying, which we see later on, don't we? hmm
3: And that's more consistent with her character because that's what we see the most. We yeah. see someone who's like, this is the way I want to do things and has to learn her lessons like anyone her age. So, yeah. like I said, the first time I saw this, I was like, okay, that's who they presented me with. This is Ellie. As a journalist, she's thoughtful about what she's mm-hmm. going to report. She doesn't just report anything willy-nilly. But yeah. going forth, they decided, they decided that no, that's not the kind of journalist she is. She's actually kind yeah. of irresponsible with her reporting and reports anything she believes to be true in the moment. And so it's just like, this stands out as odd, even though it was introduced to us first about her. And, um, so I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, I it's like this is what they said about Ellie and then they decided later they wanted her to learn a lesson about journalistic integrity I don't know so yeah yeah now it just stands out (laughs) it's like wait a minute this isn't the Ellie we know
2: (laughs) oh I would say though I do love the fact that she is a journalist oh yeah I love the fact Mm -hmm. that she's holding on to, to to a dream that she had because I think a lot of the characters, especially a lot of the female characters, sort of fall into the um, caring, uh, sort of uh, mm-hmm. maternal route. And I love that Ellie is always, at least until series five, she's always a buffer against that because she does have this dream to be a journalist and she will yeah. pursue that. And it's just it's very different to a lot of the other female characters mm-hmm. that, that we get. And I just think it's so interesting that when you break it down, what you've got is is a is a scientist inventor, um, you've got a journalist, and you've got a doctor, and that's the that's yeah. the trio. Mm-hmm. You know, young professionals, let's call them. <laughs>
3: It's actually heartbreaking when you look at it that way because I had mentioned before one of the reasons Ellie seeks these two out because her mind is starving for, you know, mm-hmm. anything. It's atrophying from lack of activity and she seeks out the big brains of the mall rats, you know, people who are thinkers and want to do things on an intellectual level. Yeah. You know, she's all up in their business and oh, going through John's it's files so crazy. And it's like, I hated her. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Maggie. I apologize. But, um, so I think there's something absolutely heartbreaking about kids of this caliber living in a world that doesn't respect these gifts yeah. and yeah, they mm-hmm. have no outlet for it. And, like, Ellie, you have to create that outlet. You have to tell yourself, no, those opportunities aren't gone. We, we just have to create them, you know, because the world won't create it for us. And, yeah, it, it's all that
4: potential. It's so sad to think of it going out the
3: window yeah. for these poor kids. Yeah.
4: You know, now you mention it that way, I think that might have actually later on have been what drew some kids to the technos.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're hundred percent right there, yeah. Because yeah, in a lot of these but there is no and you you get the feeling as well. I, I you don't get a lot of information about the technos, but you get the feeling mm-hmm. that Ram is essentially hoovering up any talent he yeah. can find. Yeah. You know? And you kind of get the feeling like, why did they put Jack in a in a labor camp when they should have, <laughs> you know, programmed him and made him a techno? <laughs>
3: He makes more sense than Tyson. Yes,
4: he does. <laughs> <you have to laughs> no, 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 no. Tyson it makes, makes zero sense. He switched sides. Oh, no. Okay. okay. She makes zero uh, sense.
2: No,
4: I can't. Nope.
0: Okay. no. You no, 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 no. No, can't trick me. You no, cannot no, trick me. No. Nope. We're not doing
4: this. <laughs> not doing this.
1: <laughs> we'll do that another time because I can't face
0: okay. oh. <laughs> it.
1: Tyson is a techno. Yeah,
4: that's, right. that's
1: the whole big conversation about mm-hmm. Tyson.
4: We're, lock- yeah. we're locking you in for the episode when we see her as a That's techno it. That's for the the one. Oh I <laughs> love
2: that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the great point about the technos, um, the fact that so many of those young people, like Mega, you know, what what was he gonna do in the world? Yeah. So it's so it's great that that yeah, yeah they that they get drawn to that.
0: that and
2: that they were able to get it there. Yeah, it
0: showed that also kinda of shows why they have their loyalty. Yeah. To the technos as well and to, to
2: Ram, and yeah, yeah, and it, it does make you wonder you know, if the, if the situation was different, would Jack, Ellie, and Dal have ended up technos because they all have something to give? Maybe to Jack the technos, and Ellie I think,
4: but Dal, I think
2: Jack Dal, and Ellie, I, I, yeah. I couldn't
0: see that happening with Dal.
2: Well, hang on, though, because Ram needs a doctor. Yes, but that's not what Dal wants to do. Dal
0: wants to be a farmer.
2: I mean, I was just thinking, Mm. you know, if they were reprogrammed, the three of them could have been absolutely great Technos. I think
0: you could have got Ellie and Jack to do it willingly if neither of them had been hurt or screwed over or whatever by the Technos previously. Yeah, I think the Technos could have offered them something beneficial, and they might have done it. Mm -hmm. Dal would have absolutely had to have been, yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's a shame we never got to see I that know. The fight for Dal trying to reclaim himself. I
3: know. Aww. I'm trying to, I'm imagining some kid living in this world where might makes right and never finding a place, you know, because they can't fight, you mm. know, they can't offer much
4: yeah.
3: in that way. And then here comes Ram, who's like, can you code? Right. <laughs> it's <gonna be> like, <laughs>
4: Absolutely. Are you left kidding left. me?
3: Do you know how many websites I've designed and ended? come on board? And you
0: disinfect a wheelchair, awesome. You know, like any it'd be it'd be great. Yeah. This kid's like, I know the chemical compound of great. Right. <laughs> and it definitely kind of makes you think just a little bit differently about the technos when you think of it in that aspect. they're this You're like a- safe haven for these my dad children. <laughs>
2: I, I think the technos are, are great I just think they're not executed in the best I, way I
0: think if things were done differently If they were this safe haven And it wasn't this this forced yeah. regime um, It would be Entirely different
2: well, I think what you sort of needed was a was a was the silk glove sort of covering the gauntlet. So you think that it's this lovely, caring, come and code with me, I understand you. But then you realise you're living in a totalitarian yeah. state run by a, a, a man, man in a wheelchair.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
5: <laughs> a, a bad who can't, can't chase
2: you.
1: <laughs> okay, pulling it back to series two. Uh, um, <laughs> just before we get to the final thoughts, so that conversation between. Bray and Tysan about Danny's secret. Um, Yeah, they they have this kind of conversation where Tysan does point out that not all secrets are bad. Um, And you kind of have Bray musing about it, even though everything's going on with Ebony. Don't get me started. Um, What did you think of that conversation
2: itself? I think it was a great um, way of showing that Tysan's got a read on Ebony. And actually, that most things are morally grey. And there is no black and white. Whereas I think Bray's one of those people who operate in binary. He operates in black and white, right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And Tysam, we know, does not. She is prepared to do things and think outside the box and do things that are morally questionable. That we've seen, like, for instance, with Lex, with the antidote in particular. And I think she is yet again showing, you know, some people do have, we've all got secrets, all of us. None of us know exactly how any of us really came to be in this situation that we're in. We we only really ever tell what we need to. And Tyson's so interesting because we never get any backstory about her at all, really. Mm-hmm. And she keeps it all really close to her chest. I mean, you can imagine she may be told like some stuff, but really, would he have been listening? Probably yeah, not. <laughs> at least not <laughs> now, not up
0: to this point. Maybe later. Maybe.
4: Yeah. There are specific shades of grey that he'll listen to when it comes to Thaisan, but not our secrets.
3: This is a very interesting conversation. Well acted, well written. Yeah. I like that there's, once again, it's the kind of conversation that every time you learn something or have an epiphany about life and the psychology of people, the conversation has something new to say to you. Is yeah. so short and simple as it is. And some of those are some of the best dialogue scenes the show has to offer. Is that every time you revisit them at a different point in your life or you've had new experiences, you get something else from this conversation. And so, one of the things I like about it is on one hand, I feel like this is what Tyson's been doing in the background, slowly growing from a person who had these very, you know, this viewpoint in season one where there was just one way to do things and how stringent she was about going her way of doing things and so sure that it was the only way, the right way and how callous she could be about it under the guise of being so caring. And we see that obviously Tyson grows up. She starts to have to recognize that Everything she believed, it doesn't have all the answers um, for her and it doesn't all make sense. You know, um, losing that childish strict belief in the stuff we have and learning that there's more to it and it doesn't all make sense. And we see Tyson have to go through that. And this is one of those conversations where I'm feeling some of that growth coming from her. I also feel like what she's doing is trying to create an environment for Bray to tell her if there's something he needs to tell her, you know, um, because she does suspect something's going on. She doesn't want to believe that Bray betrayed her trust because she trusts him for a reason But she is trying to get him to open up and talk to her. And it's not nefarious. It's not malicious. It's not because Mm -hmm. she wants control. She's already proven that. That isn't what she is interested in. She is trying to create an environment where Bray will feel safe to talk to her. Because she knows there's something going on with him. She knows he's hiding something from them all. And instead of demanding or lecturing him, she's trying to create an environment where he would feel safe to tell her you know? um, She's being very nurturing in this moment as, you know, he's dealing, when you know, he's dealing with the shock that Danny did this, you know? I I, Again, I thought I trusted somebody, and now I don't know what to do with this information. And here's Tyson being like, Bray, everybody has secrets. None of us show all of ourselves to people. We all, and she's telling him this because he's one of the few, one of those people who is always holding things back, you know? Mm -hmm. And How can he be shocked that he doesn't know everything about another person? Bray, come on, you know? And so there's just so much happening here. I really do feel like she's saying, Bray, is there something you want to tell me? Is there something you want to talk about? Because you can. I'll be receptive to it. Please talk to me. Uh, You're trying to shoulder way too much on your own. You're going in a bad direction. She does not agree with the direction he's gone in. She doesn't agree with the Bill of Rights. All of that jazz. And yet, instead of shunning him, cutting off their friendship because he didn't agree with her, she's trying to let him see that we can still talk, we can still agree, we can still find, like, come on, dude, you know, you're not alone. You have to stop taking these things on your own.
2: I just, I like it. And she is like one of the best, if you're in a situation like this and you kind of want no judgment from someone, she's kind of the best character to go to. Because she will will reserve yeah. the judgment, and will just hear you out. I think for the most part,
0: you know. But I think Liz is right, you know. And it definitely shows. Mm-hmm. I I I kind of see a softer side to to Tysan right now. She has always, you know, in, the, in the, mm-hmm. the last few episodes, she's been this like strong adversary, you know, to to everything else that was going on, and mm-hmm. and now she's like, okay, so me being this way is not working, you know. And, and they are mm. a tribe. And I think she realizes that they are a tribe. And that Bray is overwhelmed. You know, so I definitely see a softer mm. side to Tysan in this moment. I don't necessarily think that it is who she I don't like her. But I like that we got to see this you know, side of her.
4: I always like the fact that even though you know, they're talking about the person that is, well, basically said... To be the one that wanted to kill her. Yes. And she is still this lovely person right now telling Bray to just go talk to her. It might Mm -hmm. not be what people are thinking Mm -hmm. that she's hiding. And this is about the person who's suspected of, you know. Because I don't think Tysan thinks for
0: a moment that that Danny's done it. You know. No. 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 Um,
4: because Tysan is
0: kind of an observant person. She watches people and she kinda gets a feel for people. And yeah, I, I I don't think that Danny is is a malicious person, and I you know I have my faults with her. Um, and I feel like Tysan has her faults with her as well, but she's able to look past that and mm-hmm. see this isn't the type of person that she is, but who is? Yeah,
3: I think Tysan also proves that even if Danny really did this to her, she's reaching a point in her maturity and understanding of people mm-hmm. where she still wouldn't have held it against Danny. You know, I think she would want to understand, yeah, she you know, would want why, to understand. what drove Danny yeah. to it. But, um, because remember when she does find out later who it was, mm-hmm. she doesn't hold any ill will against that person that true. either. That's true. You right. know, even when she finds out, yeah. Oh, this person tried to axe me off and isn't mm-hmm. even sorry yeah. or remorseful about it. Mm-hmm. She still tries to help that person. That you know true. what I mean? Um, Tyson really is in a place in her maturity where she's reevaluating the energy she's putting out in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to say this is what you're all about. I think Tyson is trying to truly walk the walk How now. she is, um, yes. Mm-hmm. She's trying very hard. Like you said, she tried already to force her view because she thought it was the right view, you know, and it didn't work. You know, it, it didn't become rainbows and kittens. And instead of being angry about that, she's doing a lot of self-reflecting, reevaluating her viewpoint and the way she sees things and, um, realizing, okay, so maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe it's not a quick fix and I need to focus on being a better person instead of, you know, trying to fix the whole world. Maybe it's about the energy I'm putting out into the world and being genuine about that energy. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think there's just a lot. It's not being said, again, it's like Tamson said, it's usually between the lines that you have to read into these characters, but I really do feel like that's where Tyson is right now, you know.
2: I was just going to add, I think that Michelle and Dwayne are really great in this scene and their acting is really great. And I also want to say, I always think when they're together, they're really, really good, that they bring a sort of uh, different angle to their scenes. Mm -hmm.
3: Telling you, they could have been the mm. best friends. I want to see that yes. road trip.
2: Mm-hmm. I think they've got a lot in common. I, I, I do agree. I mean, and you do, you do see that more in later series when there's the uh, other issue that comes up, and you've got Amber, you've got Brain, you've got tyson and they are a really interesting, like little group of friends. I think. I mean, they're not. Let's not. Let's. They're not Jack, Ellie, and Dan. <laughs> okay. I didn't get the chance
3: to say it but the writing in this episode is just impeccable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I I just I can't get over how well done the writing has been in this this episode and the uh the unraveling of the story. It's not the right word but it's what's coming to my brain right now. Uh, the way the story unfolds is just the timing, the tone they handled so much in here. They juggle so much. It's so perfect. And it all
2: make sense. Well, I think. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that is a little bit of a detour is the lamb. Yeah. Uh, I I I could do without that, but it kind of shows, you know, you know, Dal is still learning about the farm, and Ellie, you know, is a farm girl, even though she's desperately getting away from that. I mean, I grew up in the countryside, and I like living in a town, and I completely empathise with Ellie not wanting to live in the farm anymore and preferring Mm -hmm. the city. You know, she's a city girl at heart, even though she was born in the wrong place. But um I, I could have done that without that. But everything else, I completely agree with you. I think that it's one one of the best episodes of this series where everything clicks, everything makes logical sense, and it really works really well. And even the Lamb part, as a sea plot, it's still a yeah. very mm-hmm. good sea plot
3: in this episode because there are lots of times when they have to give the tertiary character something to do to either just you know what are they doing in the background or to button something up and it doesn't always work you're like why do we keep panning to this do we really need to know what these guys are doing but this works because we just opened the episode with the girls saying goodbye to their companion we do need to check in on them and see what's going on we also need to button up the 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 question has been open: Is Dal going to go after Ellie? Is Ellie interested in Jack, uh, Dal? And this is a quiet button on that yeah. issue, mm-hmm. like without saying it, they're making it clear: No, there won't be an Ellie and Dal. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not going to happen. But it's done quietly and mm-hmm. and and gently. That's just not going to happen, you know. And so for a C plot, considering everything's going yeah. on, it's like. It sits very yeah. well in yeah. the middle of all of this stuff. It doesn't steal focus. No, it doesn't no. feel like, why is this here? It's just like, okay, you know, we this makes sense for what happens to be happening in the background with these characters, you know. And
2: I, I suppose it's a good way of stopping it from becoming too hysterical because it could easily get hysterical quite quickly. Mm-hmm. As we've seen other episodes, they've gone up there. They just stay there, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah it, you're right. It is a nice little valve that sort of relieves some of the pressure.
1: It was slime! And I
4: swore that one day, one day I'd make something of myself. And I'd find him. And I'd... I'd... What? I don't know.
1: I'd show him. You know? Just... Just show him. Heard him, you mean? No! Show him me that i'd made it despite him that brings us to our final thoughts of the episode so with ryan frustrated over not being able to get through to lex who's continuing to drink himself into oblivion selene offers to try and succeeds in getting lex to open up about his father and his grief over zandra So a yeah, panel what did you make of these scenes and learn more about lex's background
4: it seemed
2: fitting yeah I, I come from a situation where there was violence in my family, you know, uh, domestic violence. Uh, and I know I can empathise with Lex on a very personal level. And I think they wrote it really well. And they've sort of told you the whole way through that this was his story without ever actually telling you. So that when mm-hmm. they actually do the reveal, it feels Real. Yeah, you think, yeah, no, yeah, I completely buy this.
0: Yeah. I mean it's nice to actually finally like get some of that information that we thought we would get in the flashback. Yeah. Um to have him tell the story instead of Ryan, I think it hits a little mm. bit a little bit more. Um mm. or I, I I don't necessarily feel sorry for him. I but I do enjoy the scene. You know, it's between him and Celine um I'm struggling to separate this scene from what I know comes next so Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna leave it at that
2: I was also gonna say I think a lot of people you know there's the there are a lot of opposites in the tribe so for instance you've got the obvious you've got Bray and Lex you've got Amber and Ebony but I really like seeing Lex and Celine because in many ways they are the the Polar opposites of each other. And by that, I mean Lex is a survivor. And Celine, I know he's not surviving very well at the moment, but Celine isn't. And it's really interesting to see these two characters interact with each other because they are so opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, Celine works really hard to get into a place where she is mentally, her mental health is better. And I I just think it's so interesting whenever these two are like paired off together and they have any scenes, I always think they're always some of the most interesting ones. We'll, we'll gloss over, you know, what happens in the next episode, but that's, I always think they're really interesting together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: It's a great scene about shared trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um And... Like, broken people are broken for a reason, you know?
5: Yeah.
3: And uh, it, so it doesn't, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. Um, I, I think, it, I, I'm surprised, how do I say this? Considering how some reveals have come across in the show, um, this is just a really good reveal. It's not yeah. something we didn't know. You know, we, we've all, you'd have to be seven to yeah. not suspect it. Lex was abused, you know, you'd have to be very, very young and have no experience in the world to to not have already made that connection that somebody hurt this kid for Pete's mm. sake. This He wasn't born violent like this, you know, and abusive like this. This came from his home. And so it's just confirming something we already knew. But unlike the flashback that doesn't tell us anything new, this is relevant to mm. Lex as a person and um it says so much that lex is the one telling selena that he's volunteering this horrible hurtful pain mm-hmm. with up to somebody you know um it takes a lot for lex to share his vulnerabilities with anyone usually he has to be terrified of what's happening to say i'm scared or i've been hurt or i don't know what to do i'm trying my best or yes. i know i'm a failure i love what he says about it wasn't that he wanted to get even with his father. He wanted to show yes. him yes. that he was worth something. I wanted to show him, you know. It's, again, dialogue, fantastic, mm-hmm. great acting. Mm-hmm, um, and oh my gosh, I I, I love mm-hmm. what brings Celine to this conversation. Now, I've already expressed that I think Celine is a narcissist, mm-hmm. and um, and that many of the things she does is to make her feel self feel valued and worthy of something. But I do appreciate that her actions here are based on her love for Ryan.
5: Ryan Mm -hmm. is
3: a mess because his best friend is a mess. And Zelene is doing what she can to fix that. Ryan can't be okay until Lex is okay. Mm -hmm. And so I actually really like that's what's motivating her to seek out Lex and try to help him. To say, Ryan, you're too close to this. And what she says to him, I know what it's like to hate yourself. You don't know what that's like, Ryan. You have no reason Hi. to hate yourself. And she's saying to his face, I know what that's like, confessing that mm-hmm. I hate myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. So maybe I can connect with Lex because I know what that feels like. You can't. You don't know what it's like to look at the person in the mirror and despise the reflection, you know. And so I really love that, that honesty, that mm-hmm. genuineness coming from her. And you have these two people whose fathers let them down in very different ways, and uh, sharing that. And um, I'm I'm with Maggie. This doesn't make me sympathetic to Lex. It makes me empathize mm-hmm. with him absolutely, but it doesn't change anything in the way I, I view him. In the sense that, like, it's not a good excuse for the way yes. you treat people. But I'm sorry this happened. Exactly. to Exactly, that's horrible. You didn't deserve this. You know, um, and it's so much about it says so much about generational trauma because what this paints i think especially for a younger audience by showing them lex who is an abusive person and is Mm -hmm. cruel to people and seeing that and then understanding that he got this from his father he got this from home where do you think his father got it from you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's just a continuing cycle you know and as much as lex is desperate to show his father the ghost of his father that I'm better than what you said I was. I'm worthy of the love you never gave me. He doesn't know what to do with that. He's just perpetuating the same cycle yeah. his father did to him. Mm-hmm. It's really mean, heartbreaking, you know. Uh,
2: I mean, there's 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 another th- another side of that because when when you think back about his relationship with Sandra and how it was abusive, it was it, it was an abusive relationship, absolutely, and. Yeah. Like you say, he is perpetual. But there's this other side of me that says, actually, you can break. I mean, I've broken the cycle. Oh yeah, I am not violent. Oh yeah, for sure. You can break the cycle if you want to. If you don't, if you fight yourself, those those things that you have seen, the trauma that you've experienced. If you say no, I'm not not gonna go there. It, it, you you can you can break the cycle. Oh, absolutely. You know. Mm -hmm. I and I, I actually no, he's not sympathetic. I think the where the tribe's strength and the writing of the characters comes in is the fact that Ebony is not sympathetic. Yet, you know, the fact that they put so much into a character, she is a fully rounded protagonist, and Lex is exactly the same. He is a fully rounded person who is not often likable, but you go with him because. You know all this stuff about him and it feeds into his character. And mm-hmm. it is interesting that it isn't, I don't feel that it's being used as a way for them to say, oh, boohoo, feel sorry for Lex." It's more to say, actually, this is like you say, damage does damage to people. It's a damaged young man who was damaged way before the virus, you know, and was going to live probably a very similar life to the life that he's lived um, when the virus, you know, struck. I mean, you can sort of imagine him being in and out of juvenile detention and things like that. Um, and it's great because they are so real. They feel real. And that's where the writing is really good because it's not asking you necessarily to sympathize with you. It's just saying, this is one other aspect of this person that you may or may not like. Yeah. You know?
3: One of the most compelling things about Lex's story as you pointed out, you can break the cycle, but obviously it takes a lot of work. Our, our, yeah. our, the people who raise us, whoever they may be, are our first teachers. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you are taught that the only way to deal with anger is with violence, you may not want to perpetuate it, but you don't know any other way to deal. Once you get angry, you're like, I don't yeah. know what to do with this because no one yeah. taught me any other way. So watching Lex, at least in the first three seasons, try to unlearn yeah. These the only way he knew how to be, try to find a new way around it and how he struggles with it constantly. And and I find it very interesting that what he says, um, because he's still looking for someone to save him. What he says to Selena is that Ryan's so lucky to have found you, which, you know, hints at a darker past for Ryan as well. Um, and he's like, Maybe if Zan had lived, things would be different. He's still expecting someone else to be his mm-hmm. savior. Yeah. else to inspire him to be a better person. Even though, as you said, his relationship with Zondra was abusive. You know yeah. what I mean? He wasn't changing and becoming a better person because Zondra was in his life, you know? Um, they, they they were making some steps. But, yeah, it was still an abusive relationship. So, the idea that he's still hanging on to, well, she'd been here. I wouldn't be in this pit. And it's like, you would. You, yeah, you'd just you be in a different pit, you know what I mean? Um, so I just... Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm.
2: It's nice though that you also get a bit of fallout with the fact because I think that they brushed over Amber and Sandra's death, particularly uh, not so much Sandra's because she reoccurs quite a lot in this series as a as a sort of portmanteau ghost style. um But they sort of brush Amber to one side because they need to. They've got Danny, if that makes sense, and the more mm-hmm. Amber is in the picture the more the audience is less likely to be receptive to Danny. Mm-hmm. Let's put it like that. But I think you do get some time with the fact that, yeah, Sandra is dead and he feels that still. And he has lost her and he he feels that, you know. And and it's, it's interesting that it's the same episode, you know, where you've lost Bob and you've got you know dal trying to cheer the girls up because they are so sad you know they find his ball and we all have that mm-hmm. moment you know with the pets when you find the lead and you're like i don't need that anymore and and then you're sad all over again you know
5: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and it's and it's interesting that in the same episode zandra reappears within this he is still grieving for her he's grieving for the life that he lost you know, the child, the, the way he mm-hmm. thought was going to be. Yeah,
3: definitely. And it also, it also shows how, whilst Lex has made one step forward in being vulnerable and sharing this with somebody, which is a great step forward to dealing with the trauma. What's yeah. his next move to go back to one of his worst coping mechanisms. Yeah. He gets Celine to drink with him. We know where this is going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um,
2: I hate the inclusion of the music. You know that music when it comes in, you know, oh, oh yes. makes sense for someone. I,
3: I was going to
2: bring up. Point up. thank you. That, <laughs> I hate that in this scene. It completely undercut a brilliant scene with some really good acting from two really young people. Let's be honest. Yeah. Are you know? I can act. I I cannot. I can act. I'm going to be true. But they are really really good he's caleb is always great but Tori is brilliant in this as well and the minute they bring that soundtrack in and that and you just think oh please don't do this yeah
3: (laughs) but that's the point that's exactly the point Mm -hmm. that um they don't want you to forget now when you meet broken people when you're dealing with an abusive person you may have these beautiful moments of connection with them but you can't forget That they are an abusive person. They're not going to just be able to get over that abusive nature that they have. So to have Lex have this sincere moment with Celine and share this and make this step forward in his progress... But like I said, immediately go right back to his regular coping mechanisms the self-destructiveness, yeah. bringing that music in. It sours it. And that's the point. It's meant yeah. to make you feel like you were sitting there in the moment with Celine, listening yeah. to Lex. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm receptive, Lex. I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, let's do this. Let me take your hand and we'll work through this. And what does Lex do? He ruins it. You're meant to feel uncomfortable. You're meant to start to feel like, oh, okay, I-, I stranger danger. I don't want to be yeah. alone with you anymore. Yeah. That is the point it's to remind you be careful when you are reaching out and trying to help somebody yeah. Yeah. don't get sucked in by the sob story
2: yeah yeah and it's that I suppose it's that analogy you know the scorpion and the frog and she's kind of, she's the frog and he's the scorpion
3: right he's still, you knew I was a scorpion okay <laughs> you yeah. knew that
2: I, I can't mm-hmm. help it it's my nature you know. And and that yeah, again, I mean, like Ebony, he is a huge self sabotage. he self sabotages himself all the time. And it's because he can't he gives in to his the demons that are so easy to give into. It's always gonna be mm-hmm. with him the easiest option, which is always the worst one.
3: And it's the one you know, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. It's a shame they can't hear the soundtrack because <laughs> she'd be like backing mm. out of the door
1: <laughs> so that brings series 2 episode 20 to a close thank you very much to the panel and if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast then you can fill out the form over on our website thetribe.co.uk, or send us a message on our facebook page we'll see you next time for episode 21 until then bye
2: bye, bye. oh thank you for having me goodbye
3: Bye.